Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is the address we're going to, and if you didn't find it by now, you're lost, so uh, just follow the screen. Uh, We're glad you've joined us. I want to look today as we're continuing our series on Grace Revealed. We know about grace to a degree. We say grace. We sing about grace. We ask for grace, but do we really know what grace is? What does the life of a person affected by grace look like? And this is what we've been wanting to, uh, to just look at and discover. And just a quick review, if you've not been able to join us over the last couple of weeks. Uh, number one, let me say, point groups, they're still going. Jump online, get connected, find a group of people to grow with. But we've been looking at grace being in our lives. What's it mean to have grace? We, we said that grace, by definition, is the unmerited favor of God. That is the theological definition given to what grace is. And the reason that unmerited is so key to be in there, that it's not just the unmerited favor of God, or, or just favor itself and kindness, but it's unmerited. Why that's important is because anything unmerited means it's unearned and undeserved. It means the grace of God for us is not because we could earn it and not because we deserve it. It's amazing, not for what it does, but because of what it is. It is the grace of God that we did not earn and we do not deserve. How many are thankful for the amazing grace of God that he gives us, not because we've earned it or done anything to, to, to deserve it, but because of his love for us. Last week we said that the opposite of grace, and if, if where there's a, a lack of grace, there's an overwhelming sense of guilt. But thanks be to Jesus that the, the grace of God came to wash away our guilt. We have things that we have in our lives that weigh heavy on us, but we don't have to carry those any longer because of the grace of God that he cleanses us of all unrighteousness. Hebrews says that the blood has been sprinkled, causing our conscience to, be, to not be guilty, taking away the guilt of our conscience that, that he's cleansed us. I want to look today at the impact of grace that it has on our relationships And how we relate to one another. 2 Corinthians 5. Would you stand with me as we look at this word together? Starting in verse 15. It says this. He being Jesus. He died for everyone. So that those who receive his new life. Will no longer live for themselves. Instead they will live for Christ who died. And was raised for them. How many would agree you cannot help but be affected. When you come into relationship with Jesus Christ. He continues on, he says, So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and the new life has begun. I was waiting in case you wanted to say amen to that. That was Verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God. Tell your neighbor, tell them it's a gift. It's a gift. You can't earn a gift. You don't deserve a gift. You earn wages, but you can't earn gifts. This is a gift of God, the grace of God. It is a gift, free gift to each and every person. He says all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Thank you, Jesus. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. 
For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. This is what grace does. Grace has made us right with God. Let me read the first two verses of chapter 6. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. Last week, we read the text in Galatians that Paul said, don't allow it to be meaningless. Don't let it have no meaning. This one, he says, don't let this gift become something that you receive and later ignore it. Don't let it be like a gift that you got and then it didn't have much meaning so you put it under the bed or wherever you put your stuff that doesn't matter till you find it later. He said, don't receive it and then ignore it. For God says at just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them today's your day. Today's your day. Today's your day. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray that you would allow, uh, Lord, this word to come alive in us. Your word is living. Now, God, I pray that you'd remove every distraction and every hindrance. God, right now, mute every Facebook message and phone call that would come in and every alert that might make its way to cause us to be distracted. God, I pray that this room would be filled, continued filled with your presence. Speak to our hearts right where we are. We ask this in Jesus' name. If you agree with that today, would you say amen? Amen. You may be seated. That was a loud amen, y'all. Wow. That was kind of cool. That was kind of cool. When I was parenting, and as I parent, I don't enjoy talk back, but when I preach, I don't mind talk back. So uh, uh, good talk back. I guess there should be some clarification to that. Uh, I want to talk about relationships and... um, uh, Really, uh, I hope today just point us in a direction and uh, allow healing to flow. It doesn't take much of life to realize that you reach points in life that you can look back and have things that you're not so proud of. There are moments that you're not so proud of situations or things that have occurred in life that each and every one of us have those moments and there's not much that we can do about those and we, we can't go back and make up for what we've done. Uh, In fact, it doesn't do well to try and go back. You can't pay for what you've done. Uh, You can't effectively correct the wrongs. We can't go back in time and change that. But if if we learn and we allow ourselves to walk in grace, we can have pivotal moments that allow us to move forward and to be changed, to allow healing and good things to come out of those unfortunate, not so proud moments that are behind us. One of those not so proud moments in our lives or in our society, our culture, and our history has to do with how a certain group of people, a certain type of people, were treated by another group of people. That there were those that were seen not for who they were, but their color of skin and for how they were, could be used and things that could be benefited by that there's this not so pleasant moment, not so proud moment in our history. We can't go back and ignore it and act like it never happened, nor can we continue to hang it over every part of life and pretend or act like it'll never go away? That this whole act of, of mistreating and an unfortunate and, and an unhealthy and unproud moment in our history really is what it is, and it's an unfortunate thing, but unfortunately, we've allowed racism to become something that we just carry from one generation to the next generation, continuing to see a divide and see people as they are and not as they're created in Christ. To see them in one way and not see them in the way 
that God has created them. It's an unfortunate stain in our history, and it's not enough that this sinful act of, of mistreating another person isn't enough that we've, we've experienced this in our history because of the color of someone's skin. But what makes it even worse is that instead of healing from the past, racism has been carried from generation and now is socially used as a means to end responsible conversation and to control a situation. It becomes a moment that the moment we can say and spout unfair justice, it quiets everything. This condition is not just mentioned or not just affecting those that, that try to deal with the, with the issues of color of skin and things that have been in the past, but it's this unfair, unfair response that you know the moment you want to put a halt to something is you just claim that somebody's being unfair and being mistreating or not treating properly, that if you can hold up the this isn't fair, all of a sudden everything gets stopped because you can't have, you can't have healthy conversation because if you can say racism or if you can say it's unfair, if you can throw that in the moment, it doesn't allow us to deal deep with what the issue is. It becomes something that ends the conversation and doesn't allow us to really deal with the hurt. I know right in the room, this is all, all of a sudden now, where in the world is he going? What, what is happening? Here's what's happening. That racism is the claim of unfair circumstances that justify a divided people. That racism is unfair circumstances that justify divided people. And it's not just a generational problem among different colors of skin, but it is the divided and defensive state of every person who seeks retribution over reconciliation. It is the heart of every person. And the reason I use this as racism is because we pass from generation to generation racism and we have a sin in our past that we ask God's grace and forgiveness. And here's what God's grace does. He forgives us and by God's grace, instead of trying to have retribution to correct the wrong in the past, may we allow God's healing to carry us into the future. Racism isn't the problem or isn't the answer. What I want to propose to you is that we've allowed the divide that has kept us separated when in fact the kingdom of God has an answer. It's not racism. It's called gracism. It's grace that we allow to infect, to impact our lives. And now we begin to release this healing, that, that the, the releasing a heart of forgiveness, that we're holding on to the past of unfairness. And too often, we're being reminded of what the past is and of our wrongs. And how many know every one of us have not so proud moments in our past? Do you know how unhealthy it is to just keep being reminded you're not perfect. You don't have what it takes. You're not good enough. Whenever we live in this, and I'm using this racism, I'm moving on to gracism now, it's this whole idea that instead of seeing people for the value of what God has done, we see them according to their skin, according to their past, according to who they are, and we hold things over them instead of allowing the healing and the grace of God. Do you know that every single one of us have wrong things that have been done to us? You are in a life's moments where you need forgiveness and you need to forgive other people. Raise your hand if you've ever needed to be forgiven. Raise your hand if you've ever needed to forgive somebody. Notice that the same amount of hands that went up for one time went up to the other. It's this, this, this phase of life or this, this condition of life that every single one of us need to operate and grow in forgiveness. Here's what I know. The unfortunate thing is we try to operate on the grounds of fairness. But one thing I've learned in life is nothing in life is fair. You see, what we try to do is we try to pay for the wrongs that we've done. There are wrongs that are in our history. There's wrongs that are in the history books and even wrongs in our own lives that go back generations. 
maybe decades, things that have been done by us or to us and things that are wrong. Can I tell you that you can never pay for the wrongs you've done? Because if life was about being fair, and here's what fair says, fair says you've got to pay back for the wrong that you've done. The problem with that is when do you know it's enough and how have you ever accomplished what you've meant to accomplish? Because the reality of life is life is not fair. Do you realize even grace itself is not fair? God doesn't even offer, offer and operate in fairness. It is justice. He works, but it's not fair. Do you know why it's not fair? Because he loved you and I. The penalty for sin is death. And he said, I'm going to give my life. I'm going to take death on myself so that you can live. I'm going to do what's not fair so that you can have life. Aren't you thankful God doesn't operate in fairness? If God doesn't operate in fairness, then why do we carry that operation? When God operated in forgiveness, why do we try to correct wrongs by fairness and not by forgiveness? Healings do not come by fairness, only through forgiveness. The healing that we need in life doesn't happen when things get fair. You know why? Because they never will be. In fact, it's even wrong to ask somebody to pay for what they've done or what they've done in the past. I realize there's a correction to set a course forward. We've said this before, that I believe that there there needs to be systems in place to correct people's problems. But the prison system shouldn't be for people to pay for what they've done. The prison system should be to cause people to change and have a a change and move forward so that they no longer do what they did because you can never pay for what you've done. How do you pay for what you've done? You know why? Because you've been hurt by somebody. And do you know how foolish it is? And this is even wrong. Oh, I've hurt you. So let me give you enough money to make the pain go away. That's stupid. Do you think an amount of money is going to make the pain go away? If it does heal you, if it does help, if it, if, it, if it supplies something, realize it's only for a moment and it doesn't heal everything. It's a temporary fix. This whole thing of fairness, of what we can do. It's, it doesn't even operate in the kingdom of God. It doesn't even work in this world because nothing's fair. I realize that we want equality for all. And by the laws and everything that there are, there ought to be equality. We have to treat everyone as created by God. That's absolutely right. But do you realize not everybody's born into the same circumstance, same situation, same privileges, same opportunities? It is not fair. Socialism will not work. That's not a political statement. It's a biblical statement. I know some people raise their eyes like, you just did that from the pool? It's biblical. Do you know why? Because man is not our source of help. Our help comes from the Lord. Everything that we have, it will never be equal across the field. You know, here's a reality. I'm the oldest of six kids. Do you know, as the oldest of six kids, I'm an adult, and it is still, this is not a statement, it's just reality, My mom and dad love us all the same, but we get different treatment. It's just a reality. I keep saying I'm my mom's favorite, but I'm not. I live three and a half hours away. I mean, she loves my sister a lot more. What's my point is this. If we ever try to make it fair, fairness never works. If we always strive, well, I've got to, you know, to, to make it just right, make it. No, the reality is we all live in the moment of time and what we have, the opportunities we have. What grace does is grace says if you honor God and know what he's done in your life, grace will cause what you have to work for greater things. That it's not about fair, getting what you deserve. Because if you want to go back under the, under the law of what you deserve, you're on your own. I want to stay under grace. 
If you want to go back to what you deserve and make everybody pay for what they've done and make sure they've earned it and they get the right thing, if you want to live under that system, go ahead under the law. But I want to live under grace. I want to live in this perspective of what God's grace has done. I'm telling you today, the goal in life is not for everything to be fair because it won't be. You don't find healing by fairness. I've had people before disagree with me. And have even said to me about this church, well, I hope it fails. <laughs> okay. Do you know their problem with that? Is I want retribution, and I want to live under the law, and I want about me, and I forget all about what grace is. Now, some of us may not have said that out loud, but there are times we don't, quickly act like Jesus said to love your enemies. I hope they get what they deserve. Be careful living under the law of fairness when God has invited us to live in the place of grace, of forgiveness. Grace revealed results in a, in a grace that's being received from God and, a God and a grace that's being released to others, I pray today, and this is, this is what I want to declare over us, that we would ha- have and experience the new heart, that salvation has come, and that we would allow our hearts to be made new, with a new heart in our new homes. Listen to what Jesus said in John 13. So now I'm giving you a what? New commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Notice he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. If he's giving you a new one, there was an old one. Guess what the old one was? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. I've heard people say that. Well, you know, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You go give your eye for another eye. I'm living under grace. And the new commandment, this is what he says. He's raised the standard. He said, love others the way I have loved you. Oh, man. Do you realize what he did? Here's how he started this. The first thing he said to us, the greatest commandment, he put all the laws together. All the laws are summed up in this. Someone came to him and said, hey, let's see if we can trip him up. And so they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? They wanted to find him tripped up and see if they could catch him. What's the greatest commandment? The Bible says that Jesus summed it all up in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor. How? As you love yourself. Why? Because under the law, it is as you treat yourself, you ought to treat others. It's this tit for tat. You start there. At least, if you don't know the grace of God, that God loves you, it's going to be hard for you to love others. But Jesus doesn't leave it there. Then he says to his disciples, just before he's about ready to die, a new commandment I give you. A new commandment. I know you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, and I've put all that, I've summed all that up this way. Love one another the way you love yourself. How How many know we ought to at least start there? Love one another the way that you love yourself. But then he says, but when you're affected by grace, you go another step higher. Now you don't just love people the way you love yourself. Now you love a new commandment I give you is love the way that I have loved you. Come on now, that takes it to a whole nother level of grace. So I want to ask you today, in fact, even in Matthew 5, Jesus said, you heard it said that the law says punishment must match injury. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I say, do not resist the evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you're sued in court and your shirt is taken away from you, give them your coat too. This does not sound fair. This isn't fair. 
He says, give to those who ask. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, take it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. He's making the point here in the statement. He said, you don't live under this fairness of the law. You now live under grace, which is forgiveness. Your healing won't come when you get what you deserve or when they get what they deserve. Your healing will come when you receive and give the forgiveness of grace that comes from God. So here's my question to you today. Are you living under the old covenant or the old commandment or the new one? Are you living under the old one that says do what's been done? Love the way you're loved? Love according to their degree and, and, and the way they've, they've existed? A love according to what they deserve? Or do we live under the new one that says love the way you've been loved? This is our challenge. Because when we live under grace, we don't just treat people the way we've been treated by them. We treat people the way we've been treated by God. Racism will cause you to treat people the way you've been treated. But gracism will cause you to treat people the way you've been treated by the grace and the favor and the goodness of God. Our land needs healing of racism because we need to be people who flow in grace and allow the the presence of God to infiltrate and change us from the very nature of who we are. Grace revealed is when we love like Jesus. Instead of trying to act in fairness, we act in forgiveness. And I want to look today at how we respond. Let me just talk to you today about a couple ways that we respond. If we live under grace, here's what changes. When we live under grace, it changes our presentation. And by presentation, I just simply mean the way we present ourselves to the world. When you become affected by the grace of God, it changes how you are seen in the world around you, that, that we are affected by grace. Have you been affected by the grace of God, or, or do you still look like you're carrying the past issues and things of your life, waiting for things to be, to be paid and getting what we deserve? There, there is this presentation. Have you ever watched somebody walk out of the bathroom, and they've got like a three feet of toilet paper stuck to their foot that they're just carrying? You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, I know where you were. I mean, it's obvious where you've walked and what you're carrying. And some of us, we've come to grace in Christ, but we're still carrying the junk that's on us. And in relationships, we're still carrying. I'm I'm waiting to be loved. I realize we've got past hurts. People have mistreated us. There's things in our past. And we're still carrying this, this divided and defensive. Racism at the heart is a divide and a defensive mechanism. And it's the defense that says, I'm never going to get that taken. I'm never going to get treated like that again. And I want to make sure that I get what I deserve, that it's all. And the problem with that is you'll never fully get what you deserve or the fairness you're looking for because nothing is fair. But when we allow forgiveness to flow, what did Jesus say? If you go into a town and they don't receive you, Wipe the dust off your feet. Some of you are carrying toilet paper with a bunch of crap on it because of where you've been in life. I want you to laugh about it. That will make it a little more uncomfortable because the truth is there's some hurt people in this room. There's some people who have been mistreated. And I'm not saying it's just as easy as get over it because there's no such thing as forget it and move on or forgive and forget. You don't ever forget. 
This isn't a just forget about it. No, this is allow that memory to turn from recognizing what's been done to you to now recognizing the one who is for you, who loves you, and gave you what you did not deserve. The one who's in charge of everything working and ordering. He's in charge of your life. We can't give power to the people who want to see us fail because they don't like what we're doing. They don't, man, I've got to surrender every day. You know what? I've got to wipe the dust off my feet. And I've got to walk on. Some of you, literally right now, right where you are, you need to wipe that crappy toilet paper off your foot you're carrying around. Because you've been carrying some stuff. And I know the imagery is making somebody sick. But that's okay. Because the Bible says a lot worse things than that, okay? Read the Bible. But some of us are carrying the things that have been done to us. And I'm not saying just get over it and forget it. What I'm saying is wipe off the dust from the past and walk in to the healing of what God has for your future. Don't wait for it to be paid back. Don't wait to love until you feel loved. Don't wait to forgive when you feel like it's worth it. Don't wait for the moment. Wipe the dust off your feet and walk. I know that's a strong word for someone this morning. I'm not saying go back and act like it didn't happen. I'm not saying pretend it wasn't a big deal. What I'm saying is don't get stuck with it on your feet. When he's got more that he wants to restore and cause that hope and a future in your life. What is your presentation? You know hurt people do? They hurt other people. What's your presentation to the world around you? To love like Jesus? What is our presentation to, to carry and, and, and to love the, the, way that, the way that Christ loved Joseph, of course, in Genesis? He was sold into slavery. He was lied about. He was forgotten. But each time he responded in a certain way. Do you know that? Go back and read the book of Genesis about Joseph. He's the one, if you, if you, if you remember, had the coat of many colors. And I wonder, doesn't say this, but I just wonder, that every time, the first time, Joseph was sitting in the, in the, the pit, being sold and being left by his brothers. I wonder if that was easily that moment to say, life's not fair, this isn't right. And instead of putting on all of the regret and putting on the identity of this isn't fair, he put on the coat that his father gave him, even though they took it from him later. But every time remembered that his father made a coat for him. I wonder if some of you are giving too much attention to the stuff that you're carrying with you and forgetting that there's a coat that's been put on you to cover you. The grace of God, the righteousness of God that cleanses us of all unrighteousness, the sin that is gone, and instead of looking at what the past has been, put on the coat. Put on the coat. Put on the coat of righteousness. Here's why. Because when you put on the coat of righteousness, you begin to know who you are and you treat people not the way they treat you, but according to the way Jesus has treated you. Because you know who you are in Christ. Do you know what the answer for this world is? Is for us to quit treating people the way we've been treated and start treating people the way Jesus sees us. What would happen in our homes if we loved our spouses the way Jesus loved us? Some of us need some gracism in our marriage. Some of us need some gracism in our, in, our, in our relationships, our home, our neighbors. If you're dealing with a racist heart today, I want you to know Jesus loves you. You probably learned that from somebody who didn't know any better. 
You probably learned that from some, but Jesus loves you. And you know what? If you allow him, he'll come into your heart and he'll change your heart so that you don't just love people and see people for who they are, but you love people according to who they are in Christ and the way he's created them. That you live at a different place and a different point instead of carrying the filth. We don't need more people just tracking more dirt. We need some people who learn how to wake up every day and wipe the dust off our feet and walk in the healing and the wholeness of Jesus Christ. The presentation. Let me give you number two. Number two is when we walk in grace, we need, to, we need to walk with a new evaluation. What is your evaluation? Presentation is how you see God, and the evaluation is how you see others. Paul said we no longer evaluate others from a human point of view. We don't see people according to their condition on this earth, but we see them according to their condition in heaven. It doesn't matter the color, color of your skin, and I absolutely mean that. I love Pastor Winfrey friend of this house, he's preaching right now at Mount Olivet Baptist Church. He said to me one day, he said, Jason, when we come together as churches, he said, we don't need to talk about racism, he said, because we're kingdom people. We're past that. <laughs> I love that. We're past that. We're kingdom people. We're past that. And there's, there's a reality of our, of our hearts, of, of how we see people. We don't see people according to the color of their skin. There's only two types of people. It's not a color of skin, not a category of life, not an economic situation. There are only two types of people, those who are with Jesus and those who aren't. Those who are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and those who are lost and have not yet heard the good news of Jesus. So instead of living life for what you can get, how about carry a heart like this young woman that lights up every time you get to lead someone to Jesus? That's a person affected by grace. When just the joy of sharing Jesus with somebody outweighs everything else. That there becomes this evaluation of how we look at people. When we love like Jesus, we no longer evaluate by rules. Listen to this, the worship team's coming. I'm going to bring this to a quick close in about 50 minutes. We don't have time to laugh, stop. When we evaluate the way Jesus, when we love the way Jesus loves, we no longer evaluate with rules but with a standard. Let me explain this. Some of us are evaluating people with rules. That's what we naturally do. Here's what rules are. Rules are this is my expectation of you. You know when you go into class and you've got the rules for the class? The rules are this is my expectation. Everything will go good as long as you follow the rules. It's all about an evaluation of performance. How many know that everything will be good for you as long as you follow the rules? But if you don't follow the rules, it's not good. That's how we evaluate people. But here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm not going to give you rules. That was the old covenant. I'm going to give you a standard. And here's what a standard does. A standard says, here's what you can become, and I'm inviting you to come to where I am. I'm a standard, and I'll show you how to do do this. Jesus didn't say, here's the rules and what you have to do. Jesus said, I'll go first and I'll show you how to do this. I'll be the standard and you can follow me. I'll give you an example and by giving an example he gives us an invitation to now love like him. He's not saying to do what's impossible. He's saying, I'll call you to do what my grace makes you capable of doing. I'm not giving you rules to follow. I'm setting a standard that says, come up here. Come to where I am. I'm inviting you. You can be where I am. Here's what rules say. Rules say, I'll, long, I'll love you as long as. Rules say, I'll love you as long as. But you know what the standard says? I'll show you how. Imagine how your relationships could change if instead of saying, well, I'll treat you right when you treat me right. When you follow the rules, then I'll love you. Imagine the change. It's no longer, I'll love you when you follow the rules, but now it's, I'll love you because I'm going to show you what love looks like. 
That's a standard. Faith assembly, by the grace, hear me, faith assembly, by the grace of God, will be a standard for how Fayette County is loved. By the grace of God, this house will be a place that every person continues to come in and knows that they are loved and over time cannot help but respond to the love of God because the love that is in us compels us to love people and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ that we would become a standard. You say, how can you say that? There's arrogance to say a standard. No, I'm going to say with Paul, I'm going to follow Paul like he followed Christ. I'm going to follow him like he followed Christ. Follow me like I follow Christ. What I'm saying, I want to show the world how to love. I want to set a standard and say, this is how you do it. What would change in your home if you said, I'm going to join you, man. (laughs) This is how you do it. I wonder what would happen if we would stand up and say to a world, I know there's been hurt. I know there's disappointment. I know there's unfair culture and unfair circumstances. I know I'm carrying difficulty and baggage, but I'm going to wipe my feet from where I'm standing and I'm going to rise to another place and say, this is how we do it. By the grace of God, by the love of God, this is how we do it. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. How we evaluate one another. Let me give you the last one. Why don't you all stand? I'm going to close with this. Yeah. By the way, when you all stand like that, you make me feel like going another 20 minutes. So, but I'm 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 going to control myself. And I hope you won't control yourself either because I want you to know your passion is setting a new fire in this pastor. I'm telling you. It's setting a new passion. I've always, there's a passion. But there are times, sometimes I get weary. And I feel like, God, is anybody coming along? <laughs> it's like, slug. How many know what I'm talking about? I just got to say to some of you, I, I just got to say this. Some of you are in the room and you don't realize it. You get behind me. You like push me. I'm like, I can go another lap. We can do this again. What I want to say to you is thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Here's the last thing. I want to close with this. Salvation. What is your salvation? Jesus has saved you. He said today is the day of salvation. Some of you know that Jesus loves you. And here's how I want to end with. And if you're taking notes, here's the last thing I want you to write down. Grace is our ability to live as if we've never sinned. How many are thankful for salvation, that our sin is washed away? But that's not it. Listen to this. Grace is our ability to live like we've never sinned. And grace is also our ability to love as if we've never been hurt. Let me say that again. Grace is our ability to live as if we've never sinned. Some of you have received that salvation. Some of you are still waiting on the salvation that manifests itself to where now grace is also my ability to love as if I've never been hurt. What what would that look like? What would that look like if you loved your wife as if she never hurt you? What would it look like if you loved your neighbor as if they never said that thing about you and left that debris on your yard? What would it look like if you love people like you've never been hurt? How many know that takes the grace 
of God. That is the grace of God that will transform and change. So I wonder today, are some of us still under the old commandment? Love others the way you love yourself. That's the old commandment. That's a starting point. I can't pat you on the back for that one. That's the starting point. That's under the old commandment. The new one says, but I give you a new commandment. Love one another the way that I have loved you. Come on, how many know that changes everything? When I know the love that I've received from God, it changes everything. It changes everything. So what I want to pray today is that today, Jesus would change everything. Some of you need healing today. I'm going to invite you right now as we close in these last 10 minutes. I know what time it is, trust me. These altars are open because I feel in my spirit that God wants to do some miracles in hearts today. Some of you know you're saved, but you're carrying some stuff that's following you. There's some hurt. There's some stuff you're not letting go of. You're divisive. You're, you're defensive. And you're not, you've not allowed grace. And you're still loving like you've been hurt. But the grace of God says, I can cause you to love like you've never been hurt. Why? Not because life's fair, but because the forgiveness of the Father flows through us. Come on, if that makes sense to anybody, say amen this morning. If that makes sense to you. This is the love that God wants us to have. This is the grace. This is the grace.